0: Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. The Bible says, Verily I say unto you, Matthew 24, verse 34, This generation shall not pass away, till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. We're going to get an understanding and we're going to park on this generation and answer the question, what is a generation? And I believe that understanding this will help all of us. None of us here, I trust, are date setters. But some people, and you've probably read and heard reports over the years of people setting dates for the return of Christ. And I believe if we understand what a generation is biblically, we won't get mixed up in date setting, and we won't be duped by anybody that brings uh, such false claims. But the reason that they do set dates and set dates is they come to that with a presupposition of what or how a generation is defined. That's why they fall into error. Matthew 23, go back one chapter and look at verse 36. We have a passage of scripture here that says, Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. Matthew 24, we just read. Verily, ver- verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all these things be fulfilled. So what is the generation? Is it? Is a generation a period of time? Is that what it is? Is it restricted to people that are living only during a certain time period? Is that what a generation? For example, is it someone living from 1970 to 2007? Is that what a generation is defined biblically and contextually here? I don't believe so believe that generation in this context is defined as a race of people, not as a time period. So we're going to qualify that remark, and we're going to try to prove it uh, concretely through the Bible. But it is a race of people, not a time period. Matthew 24, look at verse number 34 again. It says, this generation, but watch what it says shall not pass look at verse number 35 heaven and earth shall pass away if something's going to pass away that means it's not going to exist anymore if it passes away it dies off and so we see here that judgments are going to be coming look at verse 36 uh in, in 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 the in Matthew 23 look at verse 36 again Verily I say unto you, all these things, we talked about all the things last week, shall come upon this generation or this race of people. Basically, this there's a wicked race of people, and they are going to be wiped out. And after all of these judgments end, they will pass away. That's why Matthew 24 34 says, This generation shall not pass away till all these things be fulfilled. So we get tied up on the word generation and how it's defined, and we bring that presupposition to the Bible. We're going to come back to some verses on running uh, running some verses to get an understanding. On how it applies biblically To a race of people But before we do that Let me try to bring out two common Errors or two common Mistakes uh, That come to pass As people read Matthew 24 One is this Some people say that this generation In Matthew 24 It just refers to those That were living During Christ's earthly Ministry and so that would be, in that definition, okay, well, we're talking about a time period where there were some people living, and then those people died off and they say that this fulfillment has already happened uh in seventy a d Roman army conquered Jerusalem, and the only problem with that all the prophecies have not yet been fulfilled, so that kind of makes that fall flat. The second one that people say or have said is that this generation was those people that were alive and that were living during 1948 when Israel became a nation. Um, now that's going to depend on how you define a generation. Is it 50 years? Is it 75 years? Is it 100 years? Is it 150 years? Again, it gets into this period of time rather than, I believe, contextually rather than a race of people. Um, It's really talking about those that were alive during Daniel's 70th week, not those that are alive in 1948. That's who is going to be affected by this, those that are alive then. And you got to keep in mind, in 1948, when people apply it to that thinking, well, Israel became a nation in 1948, spiritually, no. Politically, yes. On earth, yes. I've said this before. We can see and make a broad application of God's hand over that, but it's going to be a far stretch to make it prophetically because that was a UN thing. It was a United Nations deal. And that wasn't a God thing. That was something that the United Nations did. And so we don't have to set a date and kind of time it based on, well, if you were alive in 1948 and if it says this generation shall not pass away, well, it's going to have to happen before they all die off. We're still kind of date setting. It's just that we're not making a specific date. And and I've said before, nothing else has to happen prophetically in God's timeline for us to be raptured. I don't believe so. I believe it's just as timing. Um, But getting back to, the specifics on those living during 1948 wasn't a spiritual thing. Even though we can make some spiritual application, we got to be careful we don't stretch it so far that we come up with a doctrine that isn't there. So I want to be careful, and I would ask us all to be careful with not saying more than what the Bible says. Um, now, I will say this. A generation certainly can be a time period. For example, we see in the Bible when it says, unto the third and fourth generation. So there's contextually, that's there as well. We also see in the Bible the phrase, uh, to his tenth generation. And we see that, well, it wasn't the first one, it wasn't the second. So there was a specific time. So when we see words in the Bible, it's important that we do run all the verses, and it's important we understand the context of those verses. God does want us to rightly divide, and that's what, even though this message may be a little dry, not preachy, it's still trying to get an understanding of how God's word is divided. We don't want to take a chainsaw to it and have chips flying all over the place, but we want to do it the right way. From 46 to 64, it was the baby boomer generation, and From 65 to 79, that was the generation X. See, They take those generations as as time periods. That's when I was born, generation X. And then the millennials are considered generation Y, 1980 to 1994. And then guess what's next? X, Y, Z. (laughs) So then you had the Z generation between 95 and 2012. This was the group that they've considered the ones less likely to go to church. They, that group is cautious. They don't they're they're gonna they're gonna research it out. That's the that's the generation Z. And then two thousand thirteen and all, we're in generation alpha. <laughs> I guess it XYZ, then you gotta go back to A. I don't know. But biblically speaking, we see the word generation shows up 92 times in the Bible. Most times, the word generation shows up. It's speaking about a specific life. Matthew 1.1, we see the book of the generation of Jesus Christ. Or it's speaking of a race of people. And this group of people sharing a common group or common characteristics, specific traits. Acts 2 says, save yourself from this untoward generation. Matthew 24 and Matthew 23, we see all these things shall come upon this generation. What are these things? Those are the judgments that are going to be poured out upon the wicked who are alive at the second coming of Jesus Christ. Let's go back to Mark. Mark chapter 8. Go over to Mark and see what he says. Mark 8, verse number 12. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and saith, Why doth this generation seek after a sign? Verily I say unto you, there shall no sign be given unto this generation. We see that again. Now, those folks, yes, they're alive during the time. Of Christ's earthly ministry. Sure. Okay, so do we see that? When Jesus says that. This generation. Why does this generation seek after a sign? Right now go down to Deuteronomy. Go back to Deuteronomy. And we're going to get the first chapter. See if I can tie these thoughts together for you. Uh, A little bit better here. Deuteronomy chapter number one. Look at verse number 35. Surely there shall not one of those, one of these men of this evil generation see that good land, which I swear to give unto your fathers. Now, were the people living back in Deuteronomy days, the same people that were alive In Mark 8, when Jesus was speaking? No, it's, they, dead, and I got other people that are alive. Go to Psalm chapter number 12. Psalm chapter number 12, look at verse number 7. Verse 6, this is a very popular verse. The words of the Lord are pure words of silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. We don't have our faith and trust in a scribe, uh, in a translator. None of our trust is in men. We trust that God said that he's going to keep his words, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. None of these people are alive at the same time. Deuteronomy and David's day and then everybody's dead when the next group is alive on the earth. It's a race of people. This generation, it's a race of people that have a specific set of common characteristics. It's a group of people. And this group of people it does span a variety of times. So we need to be careful about how we define words. Look at Luke 11. I hope that made sense to you as we draw out the different uses of the words and then try to tie in an application of the definition. But Luke 11, let's look at this one in verse 50. Um, let's back up to verse number 49. Therefore also said the wisdom of God, I will send them prophets and apostles and some of them shall slay and persecute that the blood of all the prophets which was shed from the foundation of the world may be required of this generation from the blood of Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, which perish between the altar and the temple. Verily I say unto you, it shall be required of this generation. Is God saying that the group that's alive right now is responsible for Abel's death? No, of course not. God held Cain responsible. But what's the point now? This is a group of people. This is a race of people that share common and specific characteristics. And it existed all throughout history. Let's go back to Matthew 24. And verse number 34. It says, verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all these things be fulfilled. What are the things? Things are judgments. We're not preaching on that tonight. And this generation is who? It's a race of people. That's the big takeaway I want you to go away with tonight. It is a race of people when we see it here in the context of Matthew 24. Now, we're going to run some verses to qualify that. Proverbs 30. Proverbs chapter number 30. It's pretty good. Watch this. Verse number 11. There is a generation that curseth their father and doth not bless their mother. There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filth. There is a generation. Oh, how lofty are their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. There is a generation whose teeth are as swords and their jaw teeth as knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men." That's a a race of people that share those common characteristics. And it doesn't matter if you go back to the Old Testament, the law that God gave that nation, "'Honor thy father and thy mother, "'that thy days may be long upon the land "'which the Lord thy God giveth thee.'" It's the same generation, they're just wicked. (laughs) Someone that isn't going to honor their mother mother and their father? Guess what you got right here? Verse 11. There is a generation that curseth their father and doth not bless their mother. Now, are they alive during the same time period? No. Are they part of the same generation? Yes. Why? They share the same characteristics. It doesn't matter if you're under Old Testament law, and it doesn't matter if you're a New Testament Christian. The Bible says children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right honor thy father and mother which is the first commandment with a promise that it may be well with thee that thou mayest live long on the earth so that's the you know I love seeing it it's great I don't, I think they're wrong they want to take the 10 commandments out of the out of the courthouse but you know this. This is the commandment for us. It's I mean restated off the old testament. We have the cross reference. But I always say, well, if they're gonna take the Ten Commandments now, why don't they put up Ephesians 6 and then you know? Because you can grab all the cross references and see what we are given now, and you get nine of them out of ten, minus the Sabbath. But does it matter when we're talking about a race of people that dishonor their parents? Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms, Proverbs, it doesn't matter. They share those same characteristics. They're just what verse 11 says. They curse their father and doth not bless their mother. The race of people. Go to Matthew 12. Matthew 12. Matthew 12, verse 39. We see, but he answered and said unto them, Jesus says this: an evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. And he goes on. But here we see an evil and adulterous generation. That's just a. They they share the same characteristics: evil and adulterous. Matthew twelve forty five. Go down a little bit. And it says here, verse 44, Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. I should have backed up to verse 43. Let's read that. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and findeth none. We read verse 44, and now verse 45, watch what it says. Then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this, here it is, wicked generation. Now Jesus has the nation in view here. You back up to 38, he's talking to the scribes and the Pharisees. He's has this Jewish tone to the book of Matthew. What's the unclean spirit that left the nation? Idolatry. They <laughs> were an idolatrous nation. But before Christ comes back, it's going to get worse <laughs> because it's not been completely dealt with. And so there's a bit of that connotation here where you've got the nation full of idolatry. And it's going to come back, and it is going to get worse before it gets better. And Matthew 16, verse number 4, the Bible says, Matthew 16, four, A wicked and adulterous generation, there it is again, seeketh after a sign. Here shall no sign be given unto it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. See that again, a wicked and adulterous. Those are the characteristics of that race of people. Go over to Matthew 17, do a couple of more. And in verse 17, watch what Jesus says in Matthew 17, 17. Then Jesus answered and said, "O faithless and perverse generation. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. Jesus rebuked the devil and departed out of him. And the child was cured from that out, there's some scenes that you read and you wish you could be transported there. But watch that one. That's one of them, isn't it? That would have been great just to watch Jesus. But we get to read about it, and that is that is great as well. But we have a race of men and women. What have they done? They've perverted the truth. And they've turned from the truth. that's why it says, "O faithless and perverse generation." And this race of people, this characteristic of these, of these this generation is those that the results of their life is perverted conduct. And so Jesus says, "O faithless and perverse generation." We already preached about this in Galatians when we went through that book, but Galatians 1, it it says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. There's a generation of people walking around now that is preaching another gospel and all they do is pervert the gospel of Christ. Let's do two more, Matthew 23. Matthew 23, 33rd verse. This is the woe. He just lets the scribes and the Pharisees, all the hypocrites, he just woes them to death. And in verse 33, Jesus says, Ye serpents! Ye generation of vipers! How shall, how can you escape the damnation of hell? He calls them a generation of vipers. It's that race of scribes, that race of Pharisees, and they're just a generation of, of, of vipers. That's their characteristics. They have scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites. What describes their generation is they have an act of devotion to God. They know how to act, but that's all it is. They put on a front. The scribes and the Pharisees and the hypocrites, if you will, they were the great pretenders of the day. They were the ones that could do the magic. It wasn't real. It was just the great deception. Look at us. We can put on the act. We can act like we're devoted, but we're so our hearts are so far from God. And then you have the Son of God walking around and calling him out on it. You got to love it. <laughs> you got to love it. You know where we're at in today's generation? You can't. Well, you can. You just don't get anywhere calling out this hypocrisy. And we did messages way back. And we talked about, look, all of us have a little bit of, all of us need a little bit of woe from Jesus. <laughs> woe unto you. Woe unto you. Woe unto me. We all need a little bit of that in our life because on some level, we're hypocritical. On some level, we all are. I think the message was we're all hypocrites or something like that because we are. But where I'm going with it is, I mean, there's a, there's some serious characteristics of Where we're at as a nation with Christianity, it's just acts of devotion. None of it's real. None of it is heartfelt. It's staged. We, as a result, we have families that are staged. They don't communicate. Well, 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 we sit at the dinner table. Yeah, everybody sits at the dinner table like this. And then they're eating and then they, what? one kid goes in their room, you know, dad goes out to the back, mom goes out to the front, and one kid runs out and goes, does something? All you did was meet for food. <laughs> you're, you're not a family. You don't have your hearts knit together, as the Christians do. And you've seen it as, as much as I've seen it, you know. Well, I was at church. Yeah, you were at church. You came in, you sat down, and then you went home, and then you just lived your life. You don't have a real relationship with those people. You don't have a real relationship with Jesus Christ. (laughs) I'm not saying you're not saved. If you've trusted Christ, you're saved. You're not saved by works before or after it, but you get where I'm going. Jesus calls this stuff out. And he says, hey, you scribes, hey, you Pharisees, Quit quit it. You guys are a generation of vipers. Don't try to show everybody how pious you are. First right, Peter. We'll save that for the Pope. First <laughs> Peter too. I mean, they got that act down. <laughs> they built up the suspense, have them come out. and I don't know. Imagine if you showed up preaching woe unto you. They'd escort you out, put you in jail. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 9. Look at this. This is, we just went over the negative. This is the positive. Um, But ye are a chosen generation. That would be believers. A royal priesthood. How about that? I don't have to be in the clergy. I don't have to be a Roman Catholic or a Lutheran priest to be a royal priest. All believers, we all share the same priesthood. And holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. When you compare 1 Peter 2 the chosen generation, and you compare that to the generation of vipers, the adulterous generation, the wicked, the faithless, the perverse, the evil generation that we talked about in the negative. Now we have a generation that is the offspring of Jesus Christ. That's 1 Peter 2, 9. And we should show forth the characteristics of being a child of God, not a twofold child of the devil. This is why we should live right, because it says that you should show forth the praises of him. And God help us if we ever become a church where we show praises unto a man, unto a family, unto the group that meets here. Well, we're the the only ones that have it right. Everybody else is going to hell. And God help us that we don't get away from the truth. so. Easily seen here, that ye should show forth the praises of him. We want Jesus Christ to be praised. We want whoever's behind the pulpit, whether it's me or any other of the men here, to give praise to Jesus Christ. I am what I am because of Christ. (laughs) Our church is where our church is, is because of Christ. We go out because of Christ. We're not trying to build a big following. We want to build Christ's name up and let Christ bring the people in. That's why we don't do big emotional offerings and appeals. Because we're going to go to God and ask God for the money. He's got more money than all of us. And if all of us go to God and say, God, what would you have me to give? It's much better than me trying to say this or that, the other thing, to try to guilt or not guilt people into giving. (laughs) Because we want him to be known. (laughs) going through people's tithes and offerings to figure out whether or not they're going to be invited to the whatever it is. You know how these things go. Let's put him up for leadership. That guy gives a lot. How is that Christ being how are we showing forth praises on the Christ when we find out who the big giver of the church is? He doesn't get glory. And Jesus makes it so clear And yes, Matthew has a Jewish connotation and and, and that nation connotation, but there still is that context we can draw out and say, we better not be like that. We better be the ones, if we're the offspring of Christ, we're his generation, we better show forth his praise. 1 John 3, and we'll wind it down. 1 John chapter number 3, verse 10. In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. What are your works? Do your works show forth that you're a child of God or a child of the devil? Well, I'm a Christian. Okay, but why do you have those pictures on Facebook? (laughs) Well, I'm a Christian. Okay, well, why were you hanging out at hooligans Friday night? Well, I'm a Christian. Why are you shacking up with your girlfriend and boyfriend? Well, I'm a Christian. Nobody's going to believe you're a Christian by your works. (laughs) Because you're not a Christian. You're not a Christ one. You're following the works of the devil. Now, you might have been born again. You might have been saved. But there ain't no fruit or evidence to convince anybody of your salvation. Not going to, we're not going to get, we're not going to open this whole can of worms. But God wants you to live right. He wants me to live right. He wants us to live right not for fear that we're going to lose our salvation, but because we want to show forth his praises. And because we're a child of God, child of God, your children, you want them to live as a reflection of what you've taught them. Why? Because they're your children. You don't want them live in, uh, you don't want them living right because they're afraid that mom or dad is just going to have a spaz attack and they're afraid to death to think. <laughs> and God doesn't want that. As, as his children. He doesn't want us scared to death. He wants us to show forth his praises the same way a, a child would. You know, little children, you've all had them and raised them. Some are raising them. and You know, they can't wait. Daddy comes home. Mama comes in the house from running our errands. The kids run. They're still so happy to see. You don't have to do anything but walk in the door. Is the Holy Spirit? the Holy is Jesus the door? is, is the Holy Spirit dwelling you. When He shows up, you should be happy to see Him, <laughs> Father. I'm your child. That's the way Christianity should be. Now we've all had times as moms and grandmoms and dads and moms where, you know, it felt good to fly off the handle a little bit. And then we got and realized it, and thought about it. Well, well, it wasn't that great. (laughs) After I thought about it, I shouldn't have went by my feelings. (laughs) We've all had those experiences. We don't stop becoming, they don't stop becoming our child. And guess what? We mess up as a Christian. We don't stop becoming God's child. So, anyway. I'll show you one last thing and then we'll be done. uh, Genesis 5 and Matthew 1. Genesis 5 This is a good comparison to have in your mind or write some notes. Watch this. Genesis 5, verse 5. At the end of the verse. All these will be at the end of the verse. Genesis 5, 5 at the end. And he died. It says in the days of Adam. And then it goes on. And he died. Look at verse number 11. Days of Enos. And he died. Look at verse 14. Days of Canaan. And he died. Look at verse 17. Days of Mahilalel. And he died. And you just go on and on. Verse number 27. The days of Methuselah. Were 969 years. I don't know if I want to live that long. We're not. And he died. Look at verse 31. The days of Lamech were 777 years. And he died. All those people. All of those people died because in Adam all died. Look at Matthew chapter number one the book of the generation of Jesus Christ the son of David, the son of Abraham, Abraham begat Isaac, Isaac begat Jacob, Jacob begat Judas and his brethren, Judas begat Phares and Zerah of Thamar Phares begat Ezra and Ezra begat Aram and Aram begat Ammon Amin- Aminadab and Aminadab begat Nason, Nason begat Salmon, and Salmon begat Boaz, and Reh, and Boaz begat Obed of uh, Ruth, and Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David the king, and David the king bet Solomon of that he had been the wife of Urias, and Solomon begat Rob and Rob begat Abiah, and ba- Abiah begat Asa, and Asa begat Josaphat, and Josaphat begat Joram, and Joram begat Osias, and Osias begat Joatham, and Joatham begat Achaz, and Achaz begat Ezekias, and Ezekias begat Manassas, Manassas begat Ammon, and Ammon begat Josias, and Josias begat Jenachonias and his brethren about the time they were carried away to Babylon. I could go on, but we'll we'll go to verse 17. So all the generations of Abraham to David are 14 generations, and from David until the carrying away into Babylon are 14 generations, and from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. Generation now the birth of jesus christ was on this wise and it goes on you know You don't you know what you saw in genesis chapter number five They all died 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 because adam generates death You know what you didn't see in matthew chapter one when you get the genealogy of jesus christ We don't see any died in it because jesus christ generates life It's very interesting that we don't see any died and he died and he died but we see that in Genesis chapter number five, because in Adam all die, in Jesus Christ all are made alive. So the bigger question is this, everybody that you look out and you see, either are or have been, ourselves included, in the generation of Adam, when we go out and give sow seed and give out gospel tracts, is because we look at people and they're in the generation of Adam. And that generates death. We want to get them into the race that we're in. The race of Jesus Christ, because that generates life. And there are certain characteristics that those that are in Adam share They're sinners. We don't need to go into specifics because we're all sinners. You did sins I didn't, I did sins you didn't, and vice versa. We're sinners. That is the common trait that everybody in Adam shares. And it generates death. But we remain alive and set free from the bondage of sin when we got in Christ. And in Jesus Christ generates life. And that's what we want people to get out of. We want to, we want to, Get them out of the generation of Adam and into the generation of Christ. One race of people shares a certain common characteristics. Another race of people share another common set of characteristics. And we should show forth his grace. So remember, when we see the word generation in the Bible, we got to run the context. In the context of Matthew 24, it's speaking of a race of people. Not a generation of people at a specific time period. Luke 11 refers to a perverse generation throughout history. It's not keying in on a single specific period of time, although we could say, yes, those, period, those people living during that time period do share the same characteristics. Matthew 1:1 defines a generation as a race of people, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ. It doesn't define in Matthew 1, 1, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ. It doesn't single it out to just people living during a specific time period. Lastly, Psalm 14, 5 says, for God is in the generation of the righteous. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.